I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me once again to the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. We'll begin at verse 44. Matthew chapter 13. We'll begin at verse 44 as we continue our series over the summer of the parables of Jesus, looking at some of the messages that Jesus gave to us of his love and of his kingdom. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 44, where Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. There are events that happen in our lives that change everything. And sometimes those events occur when we are not expecting it at all. Other times we see the event coming, we just don't know the impact. Such as when we fall in love with someone, whether it's someone we've been getting to know or it just hits us out of the blue. Once we fall in love with someone, our lives change, our priorities change, our focus changes. Or when we have a child... When we become parents, everything in our lives change. All of a sudden, we're no longer focused on us and what we want to do and, and, and how we want to be and how we want to live. Our focus is now on this little one. And we're worried about them. We want to make sure that they're protected. We want to make sure they have everything that they need. And we love to hear them laugh. As a matter of fact, when we were asked to move several years ago from Oak Ridge above Greensboro to Lake Norman, Mooresville area at Williams's Chapel, it was interesting because I received the call and we only had about two hours to discern and make the decision. And the first call that we made was not to find out more about the church or to find more about the community. The first call that we made was, tell me about the schools. What are the schools like? Because our children were such a priority in our lives. We were recently on vacation and I laughed when I watched some guys who you could tell just earlier in their lives had been such tough, macho people now strutting down to the beach, holding their nice little sand bucket and their little shovel because they were making their little ones happy. Our lives change and Jesus now tells us two little parables about events that occurred that changed lives. And when we look at these parables, one of the things to do always is look at the context. And if you back up just a few verses, you'll find out that Jesus, who had been speaking to the crowds, has now entered into a house with his disciples. And I share that with you because I'm a very visual person. When I read the scripture, I like to see what is happening in my mind's eye. And, and before Jesus had been speaking to the crowds, you can Picture him projecting his voice, trying to speak to the multitudes of people that are around him. But now this is a more intimate setting. Jesus and the disciples are inside a home. 
We're not sure exactly whose home it may be. We know they're near the sea. We know that Peter was from Capernaum. Maybe it's Peter's house. Maybe it's someone else that's a disciple or follower of Jesus. We're not really sure. But while they're gathered there, the disciples had asked Jesus to explain one of the parables that he had told earlier. And after he explained it, then he looks at the disciples. And picture the intimacy then of that situation. He looks at the disciples and, and he shares with them parables. And it's a pair of parables. Now, just earlier, he had shared with them a pair of parables with the mustard seed and the leaven. We looked at that scripture just last week. If you didn't have the opportunity to worship with us then, we invite you to go and, and join us for that service as well and hear that scripture. But now Jesus shares with them parables about finding treasure or a pearl. Jesus loved to use parables, those stories that have such a deeper meaning behind it. Now, N.T. Wright, the great biblical scholar and Anglican bishop, says that Jesus didn't tell parables to provide friendly little illustrations of abstract theology, but he told parables because he was doing something so different, so explosive, and so dangerous that the only way he could talk about it was to use stories. So Jesus tells the stories about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the reign of God. And he shares with them about a treasure. Now we're told that this person who is walking through the field just accidentally comes across a treasure. Now treasures were often buried in the ground. It was during a time when you had some banking systems, but Truly, most people would take their treasures, they would take their valuables, and they would actually find a, a safe place and bury them. I mean, when you read the history of Israel, Palestine, you'll see how many times there have been wars and invasions, how many times they've been conquered, how many times they would be ravished for everything that they own. And so often the valuables would be taken, hidden somewhere safe. But then at times, that person who hid the treasure would die. And perhaps the heirs or the family wouldn't know exactly where it was. And later, these things would be found. They would be dug up. They would be discovered. We're told that there was a man walking through the field. Maybe he was walking aimlessly. We don't know. Maybe he was just moving from one area to the other, happens to walk across the field. Maybe he was a tenant farmer who was actually plowing the field. Maybe as he was plowing the field and digging up the soil, he heard the plow hit something. And maybe, maybe at first he thought he hit a rock, something he was going to have to stop and dig up. Maybe he was aggravated when it first happened, something else to have to do, a little more work to have to carry out. But then when he starts digging it up, he finds it's not, a, it's not a rock. This is a box. And he finds this incredible treasure. And his life changed. He finds this incredible treasure. And his life is changed. We're told in the scripture that he was filled with joy. 
And that's something powerful to hang on to that when he finds this treasure, it's not a sense of obligation, but now there's this sense of joy. He's no longer walking aimlessly. He's no longer just trying to survive. He's no longer just trying to get through life. He now has new life. His life has new meaning. He actually has a sense of hope. He has Joy, not happiness, which can be temporary with circumstances, but joy. This is much deeper. Something has now changed. And we're told that he went and sold everything that he had so that he could buy the field for the person who owned the field, then owned all the things that were in it. Oh, His life changed forever and this treasure, it became the most important thing in his life where he sold everything else, everything else paled in comparison to the treasure that he had found. But then Jesus kind of repeats this parable with a a new one. It's, It's like Jesus really wants the disciples to get these messages. So earlier he told the mustard seed and the leaven, very similar stories. And now he tells the treasure, but then a pearl. He says that there was a merchant, a jeweler, who was looking for something special. Now the difference here is, in the treasure, that person was just happening upon it. He wasn't really searching for something. He wasn't searching for his life to be changed or this great value, this great treasure to find. He happened upon it. But this merchant, He knew what he was looking for. He was a jeweler. He knew quality when he saw it. And he had been searching for that precious jewel, that one thing that would just set everything else apart. And we're told that he finds this pearl. Again, in biblical times, the Roman Empire is occupying Israel. and, And oftentimes, Roman royalty would wear pearls. They would find these precious pearls. They'd be wearing them on their necklaces or in other ways. And and sometimes they might would lose one, drop one. Sometimes it was just wealthy women of the Roman Empire who might have the pearls because most of the people Jesus was speaking to were on the poor side of life. But someone had lost a pearl and this jeweler found it. This merchant, and, and when he looked at it, he, he knew what he found. He knew that this pearl was exquisite. He knew that this pearl far surpassed anything else that he had in his shop, anything else that he had in his collection. This was everything. And, and so what does he do without hesitation, with no hesitation at all? He goes out and immediately sells all that he had. Now catch that. That's all the other pearls. All the other jewels, all the other treasures that he thought he had that were so important are now nothing in comparison to this. And he finds it and he buys it and he realizes this is not one of a collection. This is the collection. This pearl is worth more than everything else that he had combined. It became the most important thing in his life. 
Now, Jesus wants us to get this parable and these parables because their lives were changed immediately. And Jesus is now talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which again means the reign of God, the rule of God. It's not some geographical boundary, but the reign and rule of God in our lives and in our world. And Jesus is sharing that whatever else may be considered valuable in our lives, whatever else we may have placed our hopes and our dreams on, when we experience Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, when we experience the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in our lives, when we get a taste of the kingdom, we can realize that now is more important than anything else in our lives. You might remember, for example, when Jesus was calling his disciples. I've always found these stories to be interesting. What is it about Jesus? What was it about his eyes? What was it about his manner? What was it about his charisma that could cause people to leave everything? I mean, look, for example, at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And he, meaning Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee He saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And he went from there, and he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, father, And followed him. I mean, this was their career. This was their family. It was the family business. It was their livelihood. It's how they cared for their families. And yet there was something about Jesus and that immediate relationship. They knew we found a treasure. We found the pearl. We have found the one who is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the Son of God. And it changed everything everything. You see it again, for example, when he calls Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus was walking along, he called a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Again, left his career, left it all to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that when we meet Jesus, that means that all of us leave our careers and our families and go into the full-time vocation of Christian ministry. But what the parables do teach is this encounter with Jesus Christ and this experience of the kingdom of God, it becomes the priority in our lives that everything else in our life pales in comparison. That this becomes the focus of our lives. Dr. Doug Hare, who was at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, wrote that those whose eyes have been opened to see what God is doing in Jesus must commit themselves wholeheartedly in faith and obedience. In other words, one of the things that we learn in this scripture is that our relationship with Jesus Christ is to change our lives, not just our Sunday morning schedule. Did you catch that? This relationship with Jesus Christ, the reign of God in our lives, the kingdom of God in our lives, the kingdom of heaven in our lives, it is to change our lives more than just changing our Sunday morning schedules. 
It becomes who we are. It becomes our focus and our priorities. It's been said over the years, if you really want to see what's important to someone, look at their calendar and look at their checkbook. In other words, where do we spend our time? Where do we spend our treasures, our resources? Is Jesus our priority? It reminds me well of another story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, we're told that a certain ruler asked him, beginning at verse 18, asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he replied, I've kept all these since my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, well, there's still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad for he was very rich. I mean, you see the contrast here. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I read that scripture, I don't necessarily believe that Jesus meant for him to literally go sell everything that he had and give it to the poor. I think what Jesus was telling him is, you want me to be a supplement to you and not the priority to you. You want me to be the supplement to you, but not the priority to you. And that's when, when Jesus will later say, or says when he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I mean, when we look at Jesus Christ, are we looking at this is the treasure of my life, this is the pearl of my life, or is Jesus merely something to add to the collection? Just a part of my life, but not the center point of my life. This is part of who I am, but it's not the essence of who I am. You see, with the one who was walking through the field and with the merchant, the jeweler who found the pearl, everything in their lives became secondary to the treasure of Jesus Christ. That everything else became secondary to who they are as a Christian and their essence then of being a child of God and being part of the kingdom of God. So it raises a question for us, what, what is the priority in our lives that everything else takes a subservient role to? Not what do I want it to be, because I mean, every pastor knows if I passed out a piece of paper and said, hey, write down on scale on one to 10 what your priorities are. Number one is going to be God, because one, a pastor asked it two a pastor asked it in the middle of worship. It's got to be God's got to be God's got to be the right answer. But is it the real answer? I'm not asking what should it be. But what is the priority in our lives that everything else, perhaps even Jesus and our faith is subservient to? Or have we recognized what the real treasure and what the real pearl is? And does our relationship with Jesus Christ feel like it's found treasure or have we kind of like the guy in the field just kind of scratched the surface? We've heard the noise. We know there's a box 
but we haven't really experienced the fullness of what's in it and how he can change our lives. Is Jesus Christ the pearl of our lives that we've been searching for or are we still looking for something? Um, Paul, when he was writing to the church at Philippi, he wrote in Philippians 3, beginning of verse 7, he said, Yet whatever gains I had, these I come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Did you catch that? The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. No wonder Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is Jesus Christ our treasure? Is Jesus Christ our pearl? Well, one of the things we learn with the mustard seed and the leaven is they taught us about the essence of the kingdom of God. But these two parables of the treasure and the pearl teach us of our action, our response. N.T. Wright again says, there's a decision to be made and made urgently. The gospel of the kingdom isn't a pleasant religious idea that you might like to explore sometime when you've got an hour or two to spare. It isn't like an attractive object in a museum that you might visit and look at admiringly the next time you're in the district. It's like a fabulous hoard of treasure, yours for the taking. If you sell everything else and buy the field where it's hidden, it's like the biggest, finest, purest pearl that any jeweler ever imagined. And it's yours for the taking if you'll sell everything else, including all the other pearls that you've ever owned, in order to purchase it. And then he goes on to say, there's only one great pearl. There's only one hoard of treasure. And everything else is nothing beside it. God has a treasure for you to change your life. So receive him, cherish him, and follow him. God has a pearl of unsurpassed value for you. And nothing else can compare to it. And it's yours for the taking. So receive him. Cherish him, follow him, and become part of the kingdom of God. Not out of obligation, but out of sheer joy. This is amazing. And Jesus Christ has changed my life. Will you pray with me? God, we pray that you would help us to experience the treasure of your love and your grace. And God, we help, 
I pray that you would help us to find that pearl that is above all values that we've been seeking for. Because when we look at our world, our world is looking for something that gives meaning. So many people are searching for something that gives value, something that provides identity, something that explains who we are and why we are. And you are the pearl And being part of your kingdom is the joyous opportunity we have as your people. So God, I pray that everyone who's joining us right now for worship will receive you as the treasure of their lives and receive you as the pearl that nothing else can compare to. And to realize that when we have you in our lives, All these other blessings will be gathered around as well. And we experience the fullness of your kingdom, of your love, and of your grace. All in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.